There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting in to my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, 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 coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Goodell in the NFL. So, fact or fiction, James Harrison 
will be suspended two or more games in 2016 due to the Al Jazeera PED sting? This is a tough one for me because, honestly, I can see the NFL taking a really strict stance on this because we're talking PEDs, we're talking about someone, whether the story that was stated was recanted or not, they strictly said that James Harrison was someone that they had delivered to. And that's serious stuff for the NFL. Um, however, at the same time, if you compare this to almost like the Deflategate investigation, an investigation like this could take a long time. Even when Le'Veon Bell had his pot-smoking incident, it took a whole year for that suspension to kick in. I'm going to go with fiction on this based on the fact that I don't think that even if he's found guilty – any suspension will be able to be administered in 2016. What do you think? Well, I'm actually going to go with fact, because Roger Goodell and The Shield seem to be jonesing for James Harrison. And, you know, I probably, I'm going to say a soft fact, but I just feel like they're going to go after James. And it makes me wonder if James will even play in 2016 if he gets suspended, or he might just say, hey, guys, I'm done. I mean, that, that I, could I don't, be I don't, a possibility, because James James does not mind sticking it to the league. He, do doesn't, he doesn't mind that, but he is under contract, and that's going to be important to know. Um, he does want to win, and I think he does want a championship, and I think he sees what the Steelers team has in terms of potential. And so I think that it's really important for him that he wants to play this year. I also think that a lot of James Harrison is kind of a, a facade. Not that he doesn't hate Roger Goodell. Trust me, I think if there's a Roger Goodell, I hate Roger Goodell fan club, I should say. I think James Harrison is the founder and a member. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know if he's willing to sit out the entire season. And I don't, I don't possibly see how the NFL can expedite this investigation and yet drag their feet on the deflategate um, situation and others are forgetting that unlike the Blakey, where it's really just Brady, Belichick, and a couple ball boys, we're talking about some really big names in the NFL that are also tied in with this: it's Harrison, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Peyton Manning, who everyone thought wasn't going to be uh, going to be interviewed, but it turns out he is going to have to be interviewed. This will be something to watch. Unfortunately. Steeler fans are going to be glued to because it involves James Harrison, but at the same time, I'm sticking with my uh, fiction. I think that he won't miss any time in 2016. Maybe they'll say that he will be suspended in 2017, in which case he could say, you know what, I'm done, I'm retired, and that's that. Well, I'll bet you a special, uh, a, a special Pittsburgh sandwich on that that uh, he might sit out too. So let's go to number two. Okay. Fact or fiction, Jeff, Ryan Shazier in his third season will never play this year or a full season in Pittsburgh ever again due to injury. So, uh, you're, the, the question essentially is, will he play a full season in 2016, fact or fiction? Actually, that let me change that. Will he ever play a full <laughs> season in Pittsburgh ever? I'm going to say fact, and I'm going to say that it's going to happen in 2016. Um, and a lot of people talk about Ryan Shazier. He's not the biggest inside linebacker ever. Um, they talk about his reckless style. I mean, he throws his body around. I mean, you saw the hit that he laid on, um, obviously, well, the hit that uh, 
on Giovanni Bernard, the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals in 2015, um, he just he kind of plays a lot like Troy Polamalu in the fact that there's really no regard for their body. But I think that if he's learned anything, it's how to save himself and to avoid some of those sticky situations. Uh, you saw him stay healthier down the stretch yeah, last season. I know he had that injury early on. Uh, but I think that he's learning how to play the game in the NFL. It's, it's not the same as college. You can't just go out there every Saturday and just throw your body around. You have to be smart about it. But also, I think he's learning how to take care of his body better. It's a longer season. You have to plan for the long the long haul, so to speak. I think that his third year is when he should try to figure that out. I'm going to say that is going to happen in 2016. What do you think? Well, I am going to go ahead and say fiction because I don't ever see him playing a season in Pittsburgh without a couple games on the sideline in a hoodie like we saw last year. Now, in his first season, he only played nine games, and uh, he did play 12 last year, which actually seems crazy to me because it seemed like he was on the injury report more often than not. But um, he actually did suit up 12 times. But when you look at the physical specimen of a guy like Ryan Shazier, he's 6'1", he's 237 pounds. But he's a very slender 237 pounds. I had an opportunity last year to, uh, to meet him and uh, stand next to him up close. And, and uh, he might be listed at 6'1", but he actually looks a whole lot taller. Looks like he should be a point guard in the NBA more than a linebacker in the NFL. But Ryan Shazier, I love the guy. I think if the guy stays healthy, he is going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler legend. That's how good I think this guy is. He's got, he's got instinct for the ball. He knows how to play. He knows how to hit. He'll hit you like a truck, but he's a kamikaze. And when you give up your body for that hit, you have the potential to knock yourself out of the game. He's not a fragile player, but when you throw your body around like that, you have that potential to just put yourself on the shelf. And I think 16 games for a player that plays like Ryan Shazier in the kamikaze style, it's going to be pretty tough. So with yeah, that, but here's the thing. He, well, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying with that, I'm going to say fiction. Okay, and that's fine. He, here, but here's a guy that I know everyone brings up his size. He had no issues with injuries in college. He was actually considered almost like an Iron Man at Ohio State. He never missed time. And remember, though, you did talk about the injury report in the National Football League. I think Tom Brady is, maybe holds the record for being on the injury report for the most consecutive weeks, um, but at the same time never misses a game. So, yeah, yeah but don't do that for, for a hangout with and, Tom Brady, Jeff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So take that with a grain of salt. I, I just think that, there, that he's slowly starting to learn. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't slowly isn't the best word to use. I, I definitely think that he is learning how to play the the NFL game. He's learning how to maximize his potential. And if, if he's learning from someone, Lawrence Timmons is the the definition of an Ironman for the Steelers at the inside linebacker position. So um, I definitely understand where the concern is with Shazier. I just think that if it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen in 2016. We agree to disagree. So be it. Yeah, I tell you, I absolutely love this guy, and I'm hoping that I'm wrong on this one. You know, they're still looking in Cincinnati for Giovanni Bernard's head. It's floating somewhere <laughs> out there. I mean, he knocked his block off. 
And still, I mean, well, that's another factor fiction topic, but I thought it was a clean hit. But that's that's for another time. Number well, that, that three, day, just, as just, we just move you know, along, this know. is where we're going to bring out the B word, Jarvis Jones. The Steelers will regret not picking up Jarvis Jones' rookie option. Fact or fiction? I know a lot of people will disagree with me. It's kind of been a, a theme so far tonight, I believe. I'm going to say fact that the Steelers are going to regret it, and that's only based on the fact that when you look at after 2016, let's say that Jarvis Jones has an average season for a right outside linebacker a 3-4 defense. And I'm talking he might have anywhere between six and eight sacks, okay? And let's say James Harrison is done and he retires after 2016. I know that he toyed with possibly continuing to play. We know that he trains uh, his freakish training regimen. But if Jarvis Jones has a mediocre season or an average season, he finds bigger money, more money than the Steelers are willing to, to throw at him in free agency, and he goes elsewhere. A lot of people would rejoice and say, finally, the bus, so to speak, the B word that you mentioned, is gone. However, what do you have left? You have Anthony Chiquillo, Arthur Modes, who can play both sides, and Bud Dupree, who's been a left outside linebacker. That's it. So now you're looking at either, A, drafting a really high edge rusher again, and the Steelers, let's be honest, do not have the best track record in that area, or you have to go out in free agency and try to find a big-name free agent. Pass rushers are not cheap, and the Steelers, although they're in better cap position for 2017, are not necessarily in phenomenal cap position, meaning they can go out and just afford whoever they want. Now, do I think that Jarvis Jones deserves that? I want to say it's close to $13 million. No. Do I think that they would be really, really smart to try to get him locked up and give him a contract prior to the season or at the end of the season before free agency starts? Yes. That is what I mean. So in in terms of his 50-year option, it's kind of a catch-22. I don't think he's necessarily worth that much money, but I think they might regret if they lose him because they have really, if, if Harrison calls it a career, no one behind him. So I'm going to say, fact, they will regret it. What do you think? Well, before I get started, you're forgetting Jordan Sumwald. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> he's healthy. He says he is. But anyway, uh, I'm going to agree with you. First time tonight. I think they will regret it also. Sackman Jones is a guy that every time I hear the bust word on him, the B word, I, I actually I don't like it. And the reason I don't is because I, th- I think we need to redefine what a bust really is. He could be a productive role player, a piece of the puzzle in Pittsburgh, especially what he said with James Harrison uh, being at the tail end of his career. need to have somebody in there. He knows the system. He's he was healthier last year for the first time, and uh, he, he, was starting to, he was starting to get a nose for the ball, especially towards the end of the season. Um, this guy's hungry to play. I think he is going to uh, – he knows it's make or break this year. It's, it's, his, it's his life in Pittsburgh this year, and I see this guy just going completely all out. And when you have a guy this desperate to go all out, and he's able to just uh, just drum up that courage and just like, and with all he could muster, play the game that he was drafted to at the position he was drafted at number 17 in 2013. 
this guy could do it, and he, he did it in college, and I know it's a different game, but if they don't address it, someone might snap him up, like you said. So I would have liked to have seen him go after him, but at least not close the door on him. And I don't think Kevin Colbert is closing the door on him. I think this is a warning shot to Jarvis Jones to just say, buddy, it's make or break. Do it now. And I think Jarvis is going to respond. That's where the regret might come in. But when we talk about the B word with Jarvis Jones, it's like who else would have you picked? There's one guy in that entire first round that was drafted after Jarvis Jones that went right after him, Eric Reed, the the safety in San Francisco, that I would have thought that would have been the guy to go after for a need. But at that time, as far as a – a, lineback, a linebacker, a pass-rushing presence, he was the guy. And there was nobody behind him. Now, I'm looking at the list right now. Nobody, unless you're looking at uh, an inside guy, an Alec Ogletree, and he wasn't the guy. So I'm saying, fact, they might regret that, regret that deal. Well, we are at the halfway yeah. point right now of six-pack of factor fiction for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Brian Anthony Davis, along with Jeff Hartman. And the show, once again, is sponsored by Frank Walker Law. And we are going to go right now to an advertisement. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. All right, we are back. The show, once again, sponsored by Frank Walker Law. Also, the show sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Visit them at www.centerfieldsmoke.com. I had a chance to look at the site next week. I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot more black and gold gear in my closet after I get done with that order. <laughs> Jeff, also, yeah. what we can do now is we want to invite, uh, invite people to uh, get ready to call in. So if you want to call in and you want to agree with us, disagree with us, agree with me, disagree with Jeff, just call 347-850-8581, and uh, we will put you on and join the discussion of six-pack of fact or fiction. All right, shall we go to the second half with number four? Number four, Jeff, the most valuable acquisition of the Mike Tomlin era is not a player, but it's Mike Munchak. Ah. Uh. That's tough. Uh, this is a really tough question, a really good question, though. Um, I, <laughs> I'm kind of hesitating here. Uh, I, I'm going to say fact. I'm going to say that this is a fact because when you think back to even 2009, you have a situation where everyone was criticizing the offensive line, and it didn't stop in 2009. That, that continued well into 2010, 2011. They drafted Marquis County. They get Calvin Beecham late in the draft. They get a first-round pick in uh, David DeCastro, a second-round pick in Marcus Gilbert. And it seemed like the pieces of the puzzle were there, but yet there wasn't a coach in place to put the puzzle together. 
And if there's one thing about the Steelers that I guess I, I can't remember and since I've been alive, it's been that the Steelers' strength now is their offense, and everything goes off of the offensive line. Le'Veon Bell would not be the running back that he is without the offensive line that knows how to work with him, that's patient. The same with Ben Roethlisberger giving him time to throw, a clean pocket to step up into. A lot of that credit goes to Mike Munchak, and it's really, it's not, it's, it's, I guess I should say it's rare in the National Football League to see one coach make such a huge impact in just one season. It was amazing. When they brought him in, it was like someone turned a light switch on, and it was all proved. So I'm going to say fact. What do you think? Well, with apologies to Antonio Brown, I'm going to say fact also. Mike Munchak, I was joking around last year that they should just give the MVP award to Mike. That's how good I thought that pickup was. And when they did it, it was the perfect time. He had just got let go by Tennessee, and he had come out and said, look, I'm not looking to be a head coach. I mean, he might change his mind on that, but I want to be an assistant coach. It was perfect from from around the area. Look, look where he played ball at Penn State. He knows he knows this state. He knows this area. And he was the guy, the perfect guy at the perfect time. Mike Monchak was the perfect storm for the Pittsburgh Steelers when they picked him up and brought him in. He is a fantastic coach. And like you said, I cannot agree with you more on how he completely changed this team and the fortunes of this team because he gave them a running game. Not only Le'Veon Bell, and we know the talent of Lev Bell. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. But look at a guy like D'Angelo Williams. Would D'Angelo Williams have had the kind of season that he had last year without that offensive line? I don't think so. I think that offensive line and D'Angelo complemented each other just perfectly, and it was all because of Mike Munchak. And the other thing, all I have to say is number 78. Look at Big Al Villanueva. When you have a situation in game six and you have a guy that was a wide receiver in college, in the military, a raw guy, and able to plug him in to a Super Bowl contender and have him play the entire season and play admirably and play valiantly, that comes from the coaching too. I know the player's got to have the skill. The player's got to have the heart. But some of these players were the same guys that were there before Mike Munchak was on the sidelines. So I will say, fact, that guy is a bona fide all-star for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I have a feeling he's going to stay around for a long, long time in Pittsburgh. He just fits. He fits the mold of a Pittsburgh Steeler coach. So we agree on that one, too. So where we disagreed in the first two and agreed in the last two, let's see what we've got for number five as we move right along. And once again, remember, 347-850-8581 if you would like to contribute to Steelers' six-pack of fact or fiction. Number five, the 2017 draft needs will be identical to that of the 2016 draft needs. Jeff. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this is fiction because the Steelers were so blatantly 
defensive-oriented in 2016 draft, and I don't think there will be a need to be that defensive-minded in 2017. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I think when you look at the 2017 needs and you look at who's going to be possibly a free agent, I think that running back is going to be a position they should target. Quarterback should be a position they should target. Um, I think if you even look along the offensive line, offensive guard, possibly a young center, um, tackle is never a bad decision, and even wide receiver. Uh, yeah, Mark Davis Bryant should be back. Darius Taylor Bay, you wonder how much time he has left with the team. I'm just naming offensive positions because there's going to be defensive needs. Inside linebacker, um, especially if Matikavich doesn't work out. Outside linebacker, as we talked already. Cornerback uh, is he may not be a high priority if they can find like a fourth rounder maybe for the cornerback position. Safety, maybe. It's Mike Mitchell, depending on how he plays this year. They're going to have needs, but it's not going to be an identical defensive-minded uh, approach as they had in 2016. I'm going to say fiction. What do you think? Well, if you remember in the uh, in the movie Slapshot from 40 years ago, they played this song over and over, right back where we started from. And I am going to say fact, because I have a feeling that as excited as we are with Artie Burns coming in, with Sean Davis coming in, with the corners, the safeties, I have a feeling that they're going to be looking at that once again in 2017 and needing to add depth because I don't know. I mean, it's on paper right now, and we're excited about these guys, but we don't know how they're going to fit in. Look how excited we were with Senquez Golson last year, and he has an opportunity to come in and play this year, but you just don't know. And the way fortunes have been with that defensive backfield, I almost feel feel like uh, the the puzzle is not solved yet, that uh, they are going to need to address it again, and uh, those positions will be top of the list. And also, when you look at the fact, like, offensive line was near the top of the list last year also. And I know, I mean, the glaring need was, was uh, at corner, and the glaring need was for safety, but uh, there, there was uh, a lot of talk thrown around a big offensive lineman. I saw them in, in mocks everywhere. I scratched my head when I saw it, but uh, kind of thought that would be a possibility. And also, we really excited number three. I mean, Hargrave, the guy, everybody is labeling this guy as the guy on the defensive line, as the one guy that is going to come in and start for the Steelers. Now, he has that potential. He looks like it. I mean, look, look what he did in, uh, I don't even know what they're calling it, Division I, uh, AA, or I don't even know what they call it anymore, the, uh, the uh, football championship series. Or, um, but in, in that division, that was not your traditional Division One. And even though he played great at the Senior Bowl, is he going to be able to match that at the professional level? And will they be looking for a defensive lineman? And a traditional nose tackle. Will they be regret? Will they regret not pulling in a guy like Andrew Billings in the top three rounds? You don't. You just don't know. So that might be on the top of the list once again in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to disagree with you on that, and I am going to say fact that the 2017 draft needs will be identical to that of 2016. And now for number six, this is one of my favorites when we consider this. 
another word that uh, we had an article about this uh, right around playoff time when the uh, on behind the steel curtain when the Steelers were getting ready to play the Broncos and right after the uh, the Bengals game outside of the Steel City the Pittsburgh Steelers are considered villains. Fact or fiction? Um, this, to me, I think is, is maybe the easiest question of the day. And I'm going to say it's a resounding fact. Um, I've long said that I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the New York Yankees of the NFL. Um, they've won the most, obviously. Uh, their fans are everywhere. Their fans are oftentimes extremely obnoxious about the fact that they've won the most. And because of that, and a lot of other reasons, people can't stand the Steelers. Now, I've, had, I've talked to so many people. Now, Brian, I know that, that I, you know that you and I both live in Maryland. And so we're around Ravens fans all the time. I've spoken to a number of Ravens fans that have said, I don't mind the Steelers. I hate the Steelers' fans. And it's honestly... Um, that's the way a lot of people feel is that the Steelers team encompasses Steeler Nation as we dub ourselves now and how just, I mean, we are very, as as a fan base, we are very passionate about our team and also very vocal about how good we think we are and the the prospects of us winning. And when your team isn't winning and we are, you're going to hear about it. I mean, we're not a quiet fan base, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, in person, it doesn't matter. Um, so I think absolutely this is a resounding fact. I think that the Steelers are the villains of the National Football League, not so much because they play a style. It's not like, I don't think they're dirty. It's not like they have that Bengals, uh, Vontez Burfecht type persona. I think it's more about the fact that they win. Their fans know that they win. They expect them to win. They've won the most. And they like to shout it from the uh, mountaintops. I'm going to say fact. What do you think? I am definitely going to agree with you and say fact. But I am going to disagree with you slightly on the fact that it's just the fans because I have heard, especially during that playoff game with, with Joey Porter going on the field and that whole thing, and just the fact that the face of the team is Ben Roethlisberger. The face of the team is Antonio Brown, and the face of the team is James Harrison. When you think about the Steelers, those who you think of. And if you go outside the 4-1-2 and Steeler Nation, those guys aren't well-liked. And I, I, I was thinking about that even more just during the Stanley Cup run. It was so amazing to see how in North, not North America, but in the United States of America, outside of Pittsburgh, everybody hates Sidney Crosby which I don't quite get, but everybody hates that guy. They showed a map of San Jose and Pittsburgh, who was rooting for her, who was, it was all teal. And it's because of the fact that teams like the Penguins, teams like the Steelers, they win. They have a tradition of winning, and they play and play hard. And they are, I think they are perceived as dirty in a lot of ways. I think James Harrison, you ask most people, I think he plays tough. Most people will say that James Harrison's one of the dirtiest players in the NFL. I don't agree. But that's what I hear outside, and especially where I'm living around Ravens fans, which drives me absolutely batty. But uh, I, I love having scoreboard anytime I can. But they hate the guy. They still, <laughs> to this day, he's been retired three or four years. Heinz Ward is the biggest villain in Baltimore. 
they, they had a poll on who do you hate the most, and it was still Heinz Ward at that point. And, and ben, is not, ben is not regarded that high in, in other areas out, outside, of, uh, outside of Pittsburgh. So I would think that uh, when you look at the villains of the National Football League, you're definitely going to have the New England Patriots. You're definitely going to have the Dallas Cowboys. And I think firmly in that top three are the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? I'm proud of that. I'm proud to back the villain now. I never thought I would be. But when you know the excellence of the team, when you know the tradition of the team, and you know the heart and soul of that team, and you feel it, and you know that other people don't like you because of excellence, it actually starts to feel pretty good. And so I will wear that villain badge proud as being a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the Pittsburgh Pirates become villains too, because that just means that the city of champions, it's real. No, absolutely. I think you're, you're spot on there. And, and, you know, yeah, James Harrison and Heinz Ward, they encompassed the Steelers of the mid-2000s when the Ravens and Steelers were, in my opinion, the best rivalry in all of sports. So I think no matter what, though, we both agree, the Steelers are considered the villains of the NFL, whether it's for winning or whether it's for the way they play. They are the villains. And you know what? Sometimes it's better to be on the dark side, if you ask me. <laughs> hey, there's more Darth Vader lunchboxes than Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not much into Star Wars. I'm more into space golf. So, I, mean, I don't know <laughs> if there's like, on that one. <laughs> I don't know if it's Darth Helmet and you know. Um, oh, ever... God, hey! Anytime you have a, a Spaceballs reference from 1986, 30 years on that one. That that outtake, I like that. Kudos to you. Well, that wraps up <laughs> six pack of fact or fiction, but we still have time. If anybody wants to call in and agree or disagree with us and just weigh in on the six-pack of facts that we had today, please do. We could leave it open for, for another 60 seconds. But while I, I'll read the number one more time, 347-850-8581, if you do want to respond to us. And once again, the debut episode of Steeler Six-Pack of Fact or Fiction is brought to you by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania and West Virginia and home to one of the nation's top 100-ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker. And also brought to you by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Visit them at www.centerfieldsmoke.com. Well, Jeff, I tell you what, I think that was uh, a real fun time as we uh, debated. And uh, if we look at the scoreboard here, we have we disagreed four times and agreed twice this evening. Actually, uh, okay. the scoreboard, we're tied at 3-3, actually. Um, it, it actually ended up changing with that last one with the villain. So uh, we agreed to disagree twice three times and i uh, agreed wholeheartedly three times so that's a that's pretty good for the first time so uh looks like we have nobody calling in and i would like to thank you jeff i would like to thank behind the steel curtain 
and all of Steeler Nation for tuning in tonight. And we will do this uh, once again next week at the same time. It's Six Pack of Factor Fiction. I'm Brian Davis along with Jeff Hartman. Thank you very much for joining in. Jeff, anything to say? No, that's good. I'm looking forward to the show uh, moving into the season. It's going to be a good one. All right. Thank you, and good night, and let's get ready for some football. It can't happen soon enough. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.